All right, all right, all right. Day 192. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to permanently look at it and see ourselves. All right, so today we're in the book of Nahum. Now, Nahum is one of the um, 12, uh, what people, Christians would call uh, minor prophets, right? So the 12 minor prophets uh, are the smaller prophetic books, but uh, chronologically, it comes uh, kind of during the time of Isaiah, right? So it's uh, this man named Nahum, and he's prophesying to one particular nation and one particular people group. And it is not Israel. <laughs> it's it's ironically, it's Assyria. He's 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 prophesying uh, to the Assyrians about the downfall of their kingdom, their empire and its capital city. There's its great city, Nineveh. Right. And so you see this collection of prophecies to this nation and his name, fam, Nahum's name means comfort. Right. So it's interesting that he's going to spend all this time going in and in and in and in and in about the Lord's vengeance, the Lord's wrath and the Lord's judgment in his name and his message is about comfort. How do we make sense of it? We're going to get to it. We going to get to it. So in Nahum chapter one, he says this. The pronouncement concerning Nineveh, hmm, great city of Assyria, the book of the vision. Remember, prophets were visionaries, right? In the uh, most ancient sense of the term. <laughs> uh, the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite, right? Um, and then he says this, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance. He's clear about it and is fierce in wrath. He is super clear about it. The Lord takes vengeance again against his Foes. He is furious with his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. I ain't a killer, but don't push me, as Tupac said. The Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. His path is the whirlwind and storm, and clouds are the dust beneath his feet. One of the things that the Bible does really, really well that Christians often do uh, poorly is the Bible has this complete balance and careful nuance between God and his attributes, right? Notice how the text is going to quote the identity formula of uh, Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7. This is the paradigm text in the Old Testament that is reused more than any other text of the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, this is the way God revealed his personhood and his character to his people. This is what he's like. So the prophets and other people in the OT is going to say, no, 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 we're going to take this and reappropriate 34, Exodus 34, 6 to 7 for our own day and our own time. Now, look what he highlights, though. He highlights, he uses this selectively, this text, not to highlight the forgiving, gracious, abundant compassion, all that kind of good stuff, um, uh, faithful love, all that good stuff. He says, no, 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 I'm going to highlight God's wrath. Because one of the things that the text says in Exodus 34, 6, 7 is that he won't leave the guilty unpunished. We, we, we tend to forget that part of verse seven. And this thing that, 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 that the prophet is doing here is something called divine simplicity. In other words, he's saying God is without parts. God is his attributes, all of them always. So to put it another way, all that is in God is God. That is something I'm going to say over and over. In other words, God is fully love. God is, he is love itself, right? Where the, um, uh, the noun and the predicate are 
equal, right? He is love. He is light. He is holy. He is just, right? So, so, so there's this perfect harmony between God and his attributes, and we don't have to fall off one, one side of the fence or other. So he, he brings up God's vengeance and wrath here. Let's be clear. We, we hear, we talking about it. And it's dope too, that in this first part, he doesn't even mention Assyria, right? First six verses, it seems like nothing about Assyria, right? He talks about the earth and how it's even trembling at the coming of God's presence. In other words, the shaking imagery is hard because what it's what it's saying is this. He says the earth even trembles at the coming of God's wrath. And it, it's instructive for us because, listen, basically what he's saying is everything on earth is shaky. <laughs> like nothing on earth is actually firm ground to stand, build and live and base our lives on other than God himself. So in the first six verses, chief, he just letting you know his energy. He's like, no, 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 this is who God is. He doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. And, he, and I'm talking about Assyria here. Let me be clear. He going to bring that up. I'm talking about Assyria. But yes, yes. But insert any and every unjust, sinful empire in the name of the game is the same. Right. None of them, no matter how strong they are or how strong they seem, are strong enough to take on the judgment of God and the justice of God. Right. And I find it interesting. God here is going to indict the nation of Assyria, one of the most powerful empires in the ancient world. Listen, not because of anything, hear this, other than the way they will press smaller nations. Verse nine, whatever you plot against the Lord, he will bring it to complete destruction. God is like, no, no, it's going to be final, chief, irreversible. Oppression, hear this, oppression will not rise up a second time. Listen, oppression of people to sinfully uh, exert your power over them as weaker merits the wrath of God. That's what he's saying. These folks were violent and destructive in a way that historians have said that no one in the ancient world had seen before up until this time. And what God is saying, he's saying that evil and good are not too equally opposite opposing forces in the universe he's saying evil got an expiration date evil ain't eternal evil will one day cease to exist he keeps on saying crank up the ram's horn fam no no get ready fam like get ready to celebrate because i'm going to undo evil here in one day once and for all chapter two comes he further announces the downfall of this empire the downfall of this kingdom what's crazy about this chapter is one god is going to comfort his people and mention that yo don't worry i'm going to restore you so in other words the reason the book is named nahum it's named comfort because this prophecy of judgment is actually comforting it's actually uh uh uh, inspiring and hopeful for those who are oppressed, right? Anyone who has ever experienced the cruel, sharp wounds of social reality that come from people that are more powerful, exerting their power over you, uh, hear the justice and judgment of God and rejoice, right? And this is why it's called comfort. Because this is comforting for God's people, for the Lord. Verse 2, will restore the majesty of Jacob. Yes, the majesty of Israel. Though ravagers have ravaged them and ruined their vine branches. He's like, Nineveh, Assyria, I'm going to essentially come against you through 
invasion. So in these days, when foreign enemies came up against a nation, it was spoken of in terms of an invasion. Now, in the Old Testament, I love the metaphors of the OT. They're so rich, we got to ponder them. God is often depicted as a divine warrior right who is going to pay back his enemy so that's why he speaks in this invasion type language so we see the language used here and this and what god is going to do is going to use he's going to allude to what he will do in the future by bringing the babylonians right whom god will raise up to judge the assyrian empire in 612 bc years after this years after they had invaded invaded israel and jerusalem and i think the thing we learn is that nothing is ever swept under the rug with God. I've said this before. He is always going to give the unjust what they deserve. Part of living by faith and making God our refuge is as believers, we leave room for God's wrath. We leave room for God's vengeance. I mean, we got to be heavy on this, fam. We leave room for, we allow his vengeance to have its way instead of trying to punish people who've pierced us. Right. Instead of trying to hit people back metaphorically, in a sense, we, like instead of trying to take revenge, we leave room for the vengeance of God. And God's going to get spicy with it, man. God is, is is different. He gets spicy with it. Look what he says in verse 11. Where's the lion's lair or the feeding ground of the young lions where the lion and lion is proud and the lion's cub with nothing, nothing to frighten them away. The lion mauled whatever its cubs needed and strangled prey for its lionesses. It filled up its dens with the kill and its layers with mauled prey. Beware. <laughs> I am against you. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. I will make your chariots go up in smoke and the sword will devour your young lions. Hmm. I will cut off your prey from the earth and the sound of your messengers will never be heard again. What does this mean? Probably like, what in the world does that mean? Listen, he plays on this idea. Nahum is going to play on this idea uh, that was prevalent back in those days. So back in those days, Assyria was one who self-ID'd, right? Self-identified um, in terms of their king. Uh, he would talk of himself uh, as a lion who crushed his enemies. We literally have ancient inscriptions that that, that, that show uh, Assyrian kings speaking of themselves in this way. And what God is saying here is that, no, no, I bully bullies, right? Like I, I'm like that. I bully bullies, right? I'm like hunting as a, as the old heads used to say. Listen, hunting ain't fun when the rabbit got a gun. Like when the tables are turned, it will be a wrap. The lion will be devoured. The young, the young lion will be cut off from the earth. And so God is just mocking them. In other words, God is mocking the oppressive empires and kingdoms of the day by the way he brings his justice nahum three the nation of assyria in the final chapter is spoken of as a city of bloodshed right god hates the shedding of innocent blood nahum is saying that assyria is a city of bloodshed that listen built their nation through violence people in this city built a nation on the backs of innocent people and through the avenue of violence. Hmm. Think about that. <laughs> Not only that, they took pride in it, right? They weren't just guilty of terrible and heinous 
crimes they were boasting in their terrible and heinous crimes they were proud of it and god is so real he's like yo i'm going to humiliate you right it will be as if naked your nakedness is exposed your skirt is lifted up right he's he's going to use this very strong language to point out the way he's going to humble those who pridefully exalt themselves he says you will be shamed before everybody in verse 19 says this there's no remedy for your injury your wound is severe all who hear the news about you will clap their hands because of you for who has not experienced your constant cruelty listen he says no like folks will be very glad that y'all are off the map right y'all people will celebrate and it's interesting man because you know at the end of the day uh, Assyria was especially cruel right and violent as a kingdom as a whole and God is like man I I'm going to bring my judgment against it and this book is about Assyria but it is also about any and every unjust nation that has turned their back on God and has trampled on the backs of innocent people right and in the last days at the very end of time right um all of this will be taken care of by the Lord right now does this make us passive no but like the book's name it makes us hopeful it it, it gives us comfort it 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 leads us to be steadfast why because we're sure of the coming of the day of the lord right it's hard to wait on a bus i've said it before that's never coming but as sure as god's word is it is right christ promises to come at the end of time and to bring justice on the earth as the divine warrior right the good news of the gospel is that God doesn't just save people through the blood of his son, but one day in his ultimate, mighty, and end-time kingdom, justice will also avenge the blood of the saints. Let's pray. God, we ask that we would look forward to your day of vengeance, God. We know so many uh, throughout history have lived lives under uh, an iron yoke and so lord we pray that uh you would come lord we call maranatha we say come lord jesus come to uh, avenge the blood of the little ones because the kingdom